Good evening and welcome to the Legacy of Queens for Sunday, May 28th, 2023. I'm your host, Jason DeCanio, and we have two weeks left. That's right, two more episodes, this one and next weekend, to round out and finish the third season of the Legacy of Queens. And what a season we've had in this third season so far. If you've been with us before, we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with next season and also too to let you know about the archives of the legacy of queens and the legacy of new york all happening toward the end of this summer and of course starting up in september but right now our tribute tonight to a great person who was an american politician lawyer political commentator film critic and television personality and he served in the United States House of Representatives from 69 to 77. He was mayor of New York City from 1978 to 1989. A lifelong Democrat who described himself as a liberal with sanity. The author of an ambitious public housing renewal program in his later years as mayor. And he began by cutting and spending cutting spending and taxes, and cutting 7,000 employees from the city payroll. And as a congressman, and after his terms as the second Jewish mayor of New York City, after Abraham Beam, he was a fervent supporter of Israel. He crossed party lines to endorse Rudy Giuliani for mayor of New York City in 1993, Al D'Amato for senator in 1998, Michael Bloomberg for the mayor of New York City in 2001, and George W. Bush for president in 2004. Popular figure. He rode the New York City subway and stood at street corners greeting passerby with the slogan, How am I doing? He was a lifelong bachelor, had no children, and did not come out as gay during his lifetime. A 2022 New York Times article posthumously identified him as gay. But he was the first elected mayor of New York City in 1977, and he won re-election in 1981 with a 75% of the vote. He was the first New York City mayor to win endorsement on both the Democratic and Republican Party tickets. In 1985, he was elected to a third term with 78% of the vote, and his third term was fraught with scandal regarding political associates, although the scandal never touched him personally and with racial tensions, including the killings of Michael Griffith and Yusuf Hawkins. In a close race, he lost the Democratic primary in 1989 to his successor, David Dinkins. Who are we looking at today? We're talking about the man who was 88 years of age, died in, uh, on uh, February 1st of 2013, and has been a longtime representative of the New York political party. We're looking at Edward Irving Koch. Ed Koch, the mayor of New York City from 1978 to 1989. Tonight on The Legacy of Queens.
And this is episode 74 of The Legacy of Queens. I'm your host, Jason Ecanio, for Sunday, May 28, 2023. Two more episodes to the end of our third season, and we are thankful for your continued support. Let's delve into Mayor Ed Koch's early life right now. He was born in Crotona Park East section of the Bronx Borough of New York, the son of Yetta, or Joyce, and Louis Koch, they were Polish-Jewish immigrants from Kozlov in eastern Galicia. He came from a family of conservative Jews who resided in Newark, New Jersey, where his father worked at a theater. And as a child, he worked as a hat-check boy in the Newark dance hall. He graduated from Southside High School in Newark in 1941. In 1943, he was drafted into the United States Army. Koch did his basic training at Camp Croft, South Carolina, in 1943 before entering the Army Specialized Training Program. He then joined the 104th Infantry Division, a subdivision of the 26th Infantry Division. And on August 27th of 1944, he departed New York City, landing in Cherbourg, France, on September 7th of 1944. He earned a European African Middle Eastern Campaign Medal with two campaign stars, a World War II Victory Medal, and the Combat Infantry Badge for service in the European Theater of Operations. After VE Day, because he could speak German, Koch was sent to Bavaria to help remove Nazi public officials from their jobs and find non-Nazis to take their place. He was honorably discharged with the rank of sergeant in 1946. He returned to New York City to attend City College of New York, graduating in 1945, and New York University School of Law, receiving his law degree in 1948. Koch was a sole practitioner from 1949 to 1964 and a partner with Koch, Lankow, Schwartz, and Kovner from 1965 to 68. A Democrat. He became active in New York City politics as a reformer and opponent of Carmine Despacio and T Tammany Hall. In 1962, he ran for office for the first time, unsuccessfully opposing incumbent William Pasanonat, a Despacio a, a a ally for the de Democratic nomination for the state assembly. And then in 1963, Koch defeated DeSapio for the position of Democratic Party leader for the district, which included Greenwich Village, and Koch won again in a 1965 rematch. He served on the New York City Council from 1967 to 69. He ran for Congress in New York's 17th Congressional District after Republican Theodore Roosevelt Cupper, Cup Furman retired. He defeated Republican Whitney Seymour Jr. and conservative Richard J. Callahan, who split, who's partly split the conservative vote, and he won 48.5% of the vote to Seymour's 45.6 and Callahan's 5.9. He was reelected with 62% of the vote in 1970, defeating Republican Peter J. Sprague. Peter J. Sprague and conservative Callahan, who finished with 32% and 6% respectively. In 1972, in advance of the 72 elections, Koch's district was redistricted or redistricted into the 18th district. He defeated Republican Jane Pickens Langley and Socialist Workers nominee Rebecca Finch, 70-29-1.
Then he briefly ran for mayor in 1973, but garnered little support and dropped out before the Democratic primary. He threw his support to State Assemblyman Albert H. Blumenthal, but Blumenthal's bid was derailed by a scandal, and he came in third. Comptroller Abraham Beam won the election. Koch won re-election in 74 with a career-best 76.7% of the vote to the 18th district against John Bogarts, Jr. He was the Republican with 18.8%. Gilliam M. Drummond, conservative with 3.7%. And Catherine Sojourner, socialist workers with 0.8%. In 1976, he was again re-elected, this time with 75% of the vote, defeating Sonia Landau and James W. McConnell. He announced his campaign for mayor of New York City against incumbent Beam Koch and future Governor Mario Cuomo finished first and second in the Democratic primary, eliminating Beam in the runoff. Koch defeated Cuomo 55 to 45. He ran to the right of the other candidates on a law and order platform. And according to historian Jonathan Mailer, the New York City blackout of July of 1977 and the subsequent rioting helped catapult Koch and his message of restoring public safety to front-runner status. Koch won both the Democratic and Republican nominations and appeared on the ballot with both of their lines. In 1981, he faced opposition only from third parties. He won 74.6% of the vote with unity candidate Frank Barbaro netting next-best 13.3%. John A. Esposito and Mary T. Codd also ran, but Koch swept all five boroughs by landslide margins, breaking 60% of the vote in Manhattan and 70% in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, and Staten Island. Then in 1982, after incumbent Hugh Carey announced he would not run for re-election, Koch announced his candidacy for governor of New York. Cuomo, who had been elected lieutenant governor, also ran, he and Koch received the party's endorsement with 61% of the convention vote, but Cuomo won the Democratic Party. The New York Times also called Cuomo's victory a stunning upset that relied on an unusual coalition of liberal Democrats, labor, minorities, and upstaters. Koch ran strongly in Jewish communities, while Cuomo won black, liberal, and Italian communities by a similar margin. A key to Cuomo's victory was his strong showing in New York City itself, though Koch won the city and its four suburban counties, Rockland, Westchester, Suffolk, and Nassau, as expected. And Cuomo crept the margin close and won half of the city's assembly districts. That, combined with the large victories in nearly every upstate county, allowed Cuomo to win. Koch endorsed Cuomo immediately, declaring, What's important to all of us is that we keep a Democrat in Albany. Many say the deciding factor in Koch's loss was an interview with Playboy magazine in which he called the lifestyle of suburbia and upstate New York sterile and lamented the thought of having to live in the small town of Albany as governor. His remarks are thought to have alienated many voters from outside New York City, and he was elected governor. Cuomo was elected governor over Republican Louis Lerman and served three terms. 1985, Koch was re-elected to a third term in a landslide. He defeated Carol Bellamy, liberal, Bellamy actually, and Diane McGrath. 
Republican conservative, and he won 78, 10, and 9, respectively, and was sworn into his third and final term in January of 1986. As of 2021, this is the most recent mayoral election in which a Democrat carried Staten Island. During the campaign, Koch visited the Lubavitcher rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, seeking his blessing and endorsement. Koch ran for an unprecedented fourth term in 1989. No mayor had ever won a fourth term, though Fiorello LaGuardia and Robert Wagner also served three terms, and Wagner attempted to run for a fourth in 1969. Koch lost the Democratic primary to Manhattan Borough President David Dinkins, who finished with 547,901 votes to Koch's 456,313. Dinkins was helped in part by large margins in Manhattan, the Bronx, and Brooklyn, while Koch carried Staten Island and Queens. Dinkins defeated Rudy Giuliani in the general election by a narrow margin, with Giuliani carrying both counties. Koch won in the primary. Giuliani won a rematch against Dinkins in 1993. Koch was the Democratic U.S. Representative from New York's 17th Congressional District from January 3rd, 1969 until January 3rd of 73, when after a redistricting, uh, districting, he represented New York's 18th Congressional District until December 31st, 1977, when he resigned to become mayor of New York City. Koch said he began his political career as just a plain liberal, with positions including opposing the Vietnam War and marching in the South for civil rights. In April of 73, Koch coined the term Watergate 7 when, in response to U.S. Senator Lowell, Lowell, Lowell P. Weicker Jr.'s indicating that one of the men in Watergate's scandal had been ordered in the spring of 72 to keep certain senators and representatives under surveillance. He posted a sign on his office door reading, These premises were surveilled by the Watergate 7. Watch yourself. At about the same time, Koch began his rightward shift toward being a liberal with sanity after reviewing the 1973 controversy around then New York City Mayor John Lindsay's attempt to place a 3,000-person housing project in a middle-class community in Forest Hills, Queens. Koch met with residents of the community, most of whom were against the proposal. He was convinced by their arguments and spoke out against the plan, shocking some of his liberal allies. Koch was active in advocating for a greater U.S. role in advancing human rights within the context of fighting communism. He had particular influence in the foreign aid budget as he sat on the House Operations Subcommittee on Foreign Operations. In 1976, Koch proposed that the U.S. cut off military aid and supplies to the military dictatorship of Uruguay. In mid-July of 76, the CIA learned that two high-level Uruguayan intelligence officers had discussed a possible assassination attempt on Koch by Dirección Inteligencia Nacional, the Chilean secret police under dictator Augusto Pinochet, or Pincho, or Pinochet. I'm sorry, Pinochet, Augusto Pinochet. And the CIA did not regard these threats as credible until after the September 1976 assassination of Orlando Letelier in Washington, D.C. by DINA agents coordinated by Operation Condor. 
After that, Director of Central Intelligence George H.W. Bush informed Koch of the threat, and Koch subsequently asked both the CIA and the FBI for protection, but none was extended. When Koch took office, the city was reeling from high crime, a devastating blackout, and a fiscal crisis. During his first term, which many considered his best, he instituted austerity measures and moderated the municipal unions, measures that helped bolster the city's finances during his second term. During his first term, a number of major events occurred in New York City. John Lennon's abrupt assassination sent shockwaves around the world. Grief-stricken New Yorkers walked the streets openly crying for days after the shooting, which took place in front of the Dakota, Lennon's place of residence on Manhattan's Upper West Side. Koch also dealt with the second transit strike and pushed for the 1980 Democratic National Convention to be in New York City. His first term also saw a sister city relationship begin with Beijing. Among the events of Koch's second term as mayor were the Brooklyn Bridge's 100th anniversary, the appointing of Benjamin Ward as the city's first ever African-American police commissioner in 1983, the emergence of AIDS as a public health crisis, extensive media coverage of Bernard Goetz's shooting of four African-American teenagers in the subway in 1984, and the United Nations' 40th anniversary. He often deviated from the conventional liberal line, strongly supporting the death penalty, adding 3,500 officers to the NYPD in the 1980s, and taking a hard line on quality-of-life issues such as giving police broader powers in dealing with the homeless and signing legislation banning the playing of radios on subways and buses. These positions prompted harsh criticism from the local chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union and many African-American leaders, particularly Reverend Al Sharpton. In 1984, he published his first memoir, Mayor, which became a bestseller and was adapted into an off-Broadway and later Broadway musical called Mayor. In 1986, he signed a lesbian and gay rights ordinance for the city after the city council passed the measure on March 20th after 15 years of failed attempts by that body to approve such legislation. Despite his overall pro-lesbian and pro-gay rights stance, he nonetheless backed up the New York City Health Department's decision to shut down the city's gay bathhouses in 1985 in response to concerns over the spread of AIDS. The enactment of the measure the next year placed the city in a dilemma as it apparently meant that the bathhouses would have to be reopened because many heterosexual sex clubs, such as Plato's Retreat, were in operation in the city at the time, and allowing them to remain open while keeping the bathhouses shuttered would have been a violation of the newly adopted anti-discrimination law. The health department, with Koch's approval, reacted by ordering the heterosexual clubs, including Plato's Retreat, to close as well. Also in 1986, Koch had participated in Hands Across America and in the Statue of Liberty's 100th anniversary celebration. The career-ending face-slashing of model Marla Hansen, the paralyzing shooting of NYCPD detective Stephen McDonald, crack cocaine, and its related gangs, 
the Robert Chambers preppy murder case, the Howard Beach incident, and the racially motivated murder of Yusef Hawkins also happened during his third term. Koch consistently demonstrated a fierce love for New York City, which some observers felt he carried to extremes on occasion. In 1984, he went on record as opposing the creation of a second telephone area code for the city, claiming that this would divide the city's population. And when the National Football League's New York Giants won Super Bowl XXI in January of 1987, he refused to grant a permit for the team to hold their traditional victory parade in the city, quipping famously, if they want a parade, let them parade in front of the oil drums in Munichi, a town in New Jersey adjacent to the Easter Rutherford site of the Meadowlands Sports Complex where the Giants play their home games. In his third term, Koch's popularity was shaken after a series of corruption scandals touched off by Donald Maine's suicide and the PVB scandal, which revealed that he had acceded to the requests of political allies, most notably Queensborough President Maine's, Bronx Democratic Party official Stanley M. Friedman, and Brooklyn Democratic Party Chairman Meade Esposito, an American mafia associate long perceived as New York City's preeminent political leader to stack city agencies with patronage appointments. There were no allegations that Koch obtained any financial benefit from the corruption, but the scandals undermined Koch's claims that he ran a patronage-free municipal government. Michael Tager attributes the scandals not to Koch's failures, but to the steadily declining power of the Democratic machine and its bosses, the disparate efforts to reverse the collapse. Now, in July of 1987, Koch proposed banning bicycle, bicycling on 5th, Park, and Madison Avenues during weekdays, but many bicyclists protested and had the ban overturned. It has been said that race relations in Koch's last years in office were poor. He became a controversial figure in the 1988 presidential campaign with his public criticism of Democratic candidate Jesse Jackson, who surprised many political observers by winning key primaries in March and running even with the frontrunner, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis. As the April New York primary approached, Koch remained voter, reminded voters of Jackson's earlier anti-Semitic statements and said that Jews would be crazy to vote for Jackson. Well, Koch endorsed Tennessee Senator Al Gore, who had run well in his native South, but hadn't won 20% in a northern state. As Koch's anti-Jackson rhetoric intensified, Gore seemed to shy away from Koch. On primary day, Gore finished a weak third place with 10% of the vote and dropped out of the race. Jackson ran 10 points behind Dukakis, whose nomination became assured after his New York win. A 1993 survey of historians, political scientists, and urban experts conducted by Melvin G. Holly of the University of Illinois at Chicago ranked Koch as the 15th worst American big city mayor to have served between 1820 and 1993. Other analysis rate his tenure more favorably. In the years following his mayorality, Koch became a partner in the law firm of Robinson, Silverman, Pierce, Arnshon, and Berman, LLP, now Brian Cave, LLP, as a commentator 
<clears throat> on politics as well as reviewing movies and restaurants for newspapers, radio, and television. He also became an adjunct professor at New York University and the judge on the People's Court for two years from 1997 to 99, following the retirement of Judge Joseph Wapner. In 1999, he was a visiting professor at Brandeis University. He regularly appeared on the lecture circuit and had a high-rated talk show on WABC Radio. He also hosted his own online movie review show, The Mayor at the Movies. A street in southern Tel Aviv was named after Koch in an August 12, 1993 ceremony attended by him alongside prominent Israeli and American dignitaries. In 2004, together with his sister Pat, also Pauline, Koch Thaler, Koch wrote a children's book, Eddie, Harold's Little Brother, it tells the story of Koch's childhood when he tried unsuccessfully to emulate his older brother Harold's baseball talents before realizing that he should instead focus on what he was really good at, which was telling stories and speaking in public. The New York City Council voted to rename the Queensboro Bridge, the Ed Koch Queensboro Bridge, on March 23rd of 2011. Later, City Councilman Peter Vallone introduced legislation banning the naming of New York City property after people who are still alive but the legislation failed. Koch formed an organization called New York Uprising to push for to put to push for statewide redistricting reform. In April 2011, he publicly upbraided 42 state legislatures he claimed had broken their promises to support redistricting for reform. In May of 2011, he sat for a portrait by Dmitry Borsh that had been ex exhibited at the Institute of Oriental Studies of the Russian Academy of Sciences, DePaul University, Breached Forum, and CUNY Graduate Center, and is included in the Catalog of American Portraits at the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery. He began appearing in weekly movie review segments for an online show, Mayor at the Movies, in the summer of 2009. He was an avid moviegoer who often saw two to two or three movies a weekend. And although he was invited to private screenings, he preferred to see films with a public audience and was often approached by moviegoers who were surprised to find him there. His reviews were outspoken and wry, with his rating system consisting not of stars, but of a plus for a good film or a minus for a bad one. He sought out great documentaries and had a particular passion for anything of Jewish interest. He had a particular passion for independent cinema and documentaries, but enjoyed dramas and action films as well. In addition to Mayor at the Movies, his film reviews were regularly featured on the Huffington Post and in the New York newspaper The Villager. He also appeared in more than 60 Hollywood films and television shows as himself, including Sex in the City, Spin City, and Double Rush, and also hosted Saturday Night Live. A document about his life, Koch, had its world premiere at the Hamptons International Film Festival on October 8th of 2012 and was released theatrically on February 1st, 2013, coincidentally the day of Koch's death. We looked at some political endorsements, political statements. Um, his personal life, he was a resident of Greenwich Village for most of his adult life. And at the time of his death, he lived at 2 Fifth Avenue overlooking Washington Park, Square Park. 
And though Koch never married and rumors about his sexual orientation became an issue in the 77 mayoral election with the appearance of placards and posters disavowed by the Cuomo campaign with the slogan, vote for Cuomo, not the homo, Koch denounced the attack. In 1989, Koch was interviewed about a book he had co-authored with Cardinal John J. O'Connor. When the interviewer asked Koch to clarify his views on homosexuality relative to O'Connor, Koch responded, I believe to I happen to believe that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. It's whatever God made you. It happens that I'm a heterosexual. He once told New York magazine, Listen, there's no question that some New Yorkers think I'm gay and voted for me nevertheless. The vast majority don't care and others don't think I am. And I don't give a shit either way. <laughs> he was frequently accompanied at political functions by his friend Bess Meyerson, who acted as a beard. A 2022 New York Times article confirmed Koch's homosexuality based on interviews with close confidence. The Times reported that Koch disclosed his sexuality only to friends knew he were knew he knew were gay, and was only known to have had one long-term relationship with healthcare consultant Richard W. Nathan, which Koch ended when he was elected mayor, apparently out of fear that the relationship would become public. Then in the 80s, the activist and writer Larry Kramer, who was sharply critical of Koch's handling of the AIDS epidemic, unsuccessfully attempted to out him after learning of his relationship with Nathan. This reportedly influenced Koch's insistence on remaining closeted for the duration of his life as he did not want to give activists like Mr. Kramer the satisfaction of seeing him come out after they had tried so hard to see him routed. Well, Couch had a mild stroke in 1987, but was able to resume his duties as mayor within about a week. In 2022, his former spokesman, George R. Zett, suggested that the anxiety Koch experienced amid efforts to out him during the period caused a decline in his health, which he said might have contributed to the stroke. Koch experienced some health problems, including heart issues after his mayoralty, and was frequently hospitalized in the final months of his life. On January 31st, 2013, he was admitted to Columbia University Irving Medical Center in Manhattan due to, the, due to fatigue, where he died from heart failure at 2 a.m. the next day, aged 88. His funeral took place on February 4, 2013, at Temple Emmanuel, a Reformed Jewish congregation, no, congregation in Manhattan. Because of Koch's fierce loyalty to Israel, the Israeli Council, the Council General to the New York to New York City, spoke. Former President Bill Clinton also addressed the congregation, serving as President Obama's representative. New York City Police Department helicopters gave a flyover at the service, and Koch purchased a burial plot in Trinity Church Cemetery in April of 2008 so that he could be buried in Manhattan. It is the only graveyard in the borough that accepts new burials. And he chose to put the last words of the late journalist Daniel Pearl on his tombstone. My father is Jewish. My mother is Jewish. I am Jewish. And there you have it, folks. The man who served New York City for three solid terms and has become a legend in a legacy of not only Queens, but of the five boroughs, Edward Irving Koch. Thank you for your great 
continued work you will live on in our lives forever and ever, Mr. Koch. Thank you. Next week on the program, the final episode of the season number three comes to an end. We look at the final person of our of our uh, season. We'll be looking at the American actress, while best known for her roles as Jerry's mother, Helen, in Seinfeld, and the nosy neighbor, Mrs. Ochmunk, on the sitcom Alf. Her decades-long career was extensive and included work on the stage and on large and small screens. Episode 75 comes to you next week with Elizabeth Ann Sheraton, otherwise known as Liz Sheraton. We'll look at her life and give you the final details of the season ending number three. Jason Acanio here to thank you very much for your continued support of our show. We thank you very much for all that you have done over the past three seasons. And we want to let you know that next week is the end of our season three. And that also, too, we'll be putting up the archives of from season one and season two on um, David's 3000 Network. So we hope that you will catch those shows. Subscribe to the David 3000 channel and be able to watch season one and season two all over again while still subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed yet, still to subscribe to The Legacy of New York. So with that, we thank you very much for your continued support. We will look forward to seeing you next week as we round out the 75th episode of The Legacy of Queens. And we hope to have a great summer as we see you next September for Season 4. I'm Jason Ecanio, thanking you once again. Have a great night, and remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.